Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. And um, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. And stand with me if you're able. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9 through verse 14. We'll read these verses this morning. It says in verse 9, And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, uh, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also... I am, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Would you read verse 10 aloud with me? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for first loving us and that you would love us so much that you would send your son to die on the cross, to rise again three days later that we might be saved. And not only for what we might escape, but what we might gain, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that, Lord, as your word is preached this morning, that you would do a work in our heart. Lord, I think of how it was said of the Holy Spirit that he would testify of him. And Lord, I know for us to get anywhere near an accurate glimpse of the Lord, the Holy Spirit has to work in our heart. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd stir in each one of our hearts through the Scripture and through the preaching today to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, that He would be lifted up, that He would increase and we would decrease, that our hearts would be surrendered to what you have for us today. Lord, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That I may know Him. Boy, what an incredible... What an incredible verse. Paul said, I, I just want to know the Lord. Anybody in here ever met someone famous? You ever meet someone, maybe someone renowned, maybe it's someone in government you have the opportunity to meet, or maybe it's uh, someone in sports you, you haven't looked forward to meeting. Every once in a while, we'd, one time we were on a road trip, I can't remember where we were going, but we'd play that, these kids started asking, hey dad, if there was three people in the Bible that you could meet, who would you want to meet? If there was three people in history, who would you want to meet? And start listing some of those names. Who is it that I could sit down with? And if I could sit down and have a meal with and just get to know, who would that be? Obviously, when we come to this passage of Scripture, Paul is highlighting something. I just want to know the Lord. And he's not talking about salvation, is he? He already had that. He was talking about growing and knowing him better each and every day. And and what a privilege that is. John chapter 17 and verse 3 says this, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. You know, salvation isn't just about what you escape, is it? Certainly not. Matter of fact, I would say that's a side benefit of the real reality of salvation is that you can know the Lord. That you could know Him. We go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and you'll read there that God spoke this world into existence in a moment, and put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he walked with them in the cool of the day, and he would commune with them, and have a relationship with them, and fellowship with them, and one day they made the horrible sin, and ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and sin entered into this world, and heartache, and all the heartbreak that comes with it. But God had made them for fellowship, to walk with him, to talk with them, to glorify his name, and to, to spend time with them, and sin and death entered into this world, and man was forever separated from God. 
sentenced and destined for an eternity separated from the Lord. Ultimately, when you live this life behind, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God, for the wage of sin is death, and into a lake of fire, that was the destination of man. And yet God stepped in. He had a plan, the Bible says in Peter, from before the foundation of the world, and that plan was his son Jesus, amen. And what did he restore? He didn't just help us escape something and separate us from something, but he, but he gave us something incredibly special, and that was a relationship with God, to know Him. Well, we live in a day and age in which we think we know a lot of people. How many of you are on social media, all right? How many of you wish you weren't on social media? Right now, you're ready to go back. All right, sometimes you're there, right? Well, you get a lot of folks that maybe follow you, but the reality is you probably don't know all of them very well, do you? Sometimes you may even know what someone had for breakfast, but not really know them very well if you're on social media, right? You know somebody, you, you, we say we know them, but we don't truly, truly know them because knowing someone boils down to something, time, doesn't it? T-I-M-E. The what you better you know someone is, is an accumulation of time as you, you spend time with them. If you were to say, who do you know the best? I would say it's probably those you have spent the most time with. You've grown beside them. You've gone through experiences, hardships, difficulties, wonderful times, victories, defeats. You've just walked through life together and you know them well. Many a conversation you've had with them and you, you know them well. We may have many acquaintances, but, but few probably are the people that we know truly very, very well. Some better than others. And God is saying one of the great desires that he has for us that salvation brings is that we could know the Lord. Paul said this, I want to know the Lord. Think about that for him. It's only as special as you think the person is. You know, there's folks that you may want to meet and you will say maybe you want to meet them because of a position they hold in our world or some victory they've obtained or some accomplishment they may have, but... When you think about the Lord, it's pretty amazing. John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. This is the one who spoke the world into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was what? Light. This is the one who took, spoke a word, and the world came into existence, and over a period of six days, he would speak again and speak again, and each moment, this world would be created and shaped and formed until he finally made man out of the dust of the ground and created him in his image and breathed life into his nostrils and gave life to man, the creator of the world. Everything you see, everything you touch, God made. We sometimes say, well, I made that or created that, but we've only formed something out of things that God has made. And even as we shape something and form them, we form them with the intellect and the mental capacity and the physical ability that he gave us. He spoke this world into existence. He created it. The Bible reminds us that he sustains it. 
In Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and without, by, were created by him and for him. And then it makes this statement, and he is before all things and by him all things consist. He sustains it. The Bible reminds us in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, one of my favorite verses in the book of Hebrews, he says, he upholds all things with the word of his power. That not only did he speak everything into existence, but it's all still here because of him. He's the one who keeps us alive. He's the world that keeps this this world going. He's the one who keeps it it going and keeps it spinning and keeps life here in Genesis, I read not that long ago when the Lord made the statement in Genesis that winter and summer and harvest and all those things, they will not cease. Now, we live in an age when man is starting to think that somehow we have some part in making this world be what it is. And yet in the book of Genesis, God says it's not going to stop. Now, there's going to be a day when he stops it, but no man will stop it. God will keep it going because he sustains it all. He created it. He keeps it. I think of the verse where it says in Revelations 9 and verse 16, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He rules it. He created it, he sustains it, and he rules it. Now we live in a day and age in which God has allowed and even risen up some men in our world, some we like and some we dislike, but God has allowed them in the places they are. But in reality, he is the one who is sovereign and in control. And one day he's coming back to remind us that he is, and on his vesture, his name is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The true king. The heathen rages for the time being and the world tries to do what it wants. But one day, friend, his will is going to be completely revealed and we'll see him come on the scene. The world raged against his first coming. And yet God used all their rage and all their workings to just fulfill his will. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. When you think about how high he is and how his strength and his power are you... Then you think of verses like this in Matthew 1, 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. Savior. Think about that, Savior. So high and so mighty and so powerful that he could speak this world into existence, sustain it with his word, and he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet he stooped to humble himself Take upon him the form of a servant to be born in a little manger in Bethlehem. To walk on this dirty earth. And he even told us why he walked on this earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. To die on the cross and rise again. Not because he was a sinner for the wages of sin is death. Not for his sin, but for your sin and for my sin. And so we call him... Savior. I'm reminded of what he would encourage the pastor with in the book of Peter. He would say, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, who is that chief shepherd? His name is Jesus. We know the Psalms 23 and we think about that shepherd and all that he does for us in our life. But how many times have we relied upon and sought the counsel of and sought the will of the chief shepherd 
That one who watched over us, cared for us, guides us through life. And how much we regret when we move against his guidance. Shepherd. And we could go on and on and on about who he is. His provision, his blessing, his nature, his character. And when you think about who he is, it's an amazing thing that he desires to know us. But even more so, that you might know him. And not in some acquaintance fashion, as if you met someone, took a picture with them and shook their hand and then went on about your life. And sometimes that's the way people try to treat Jesus. Well, back at that day, I trusted Christ and then I went on with my life. I would question whether you have met him or not. I think when you met him, it's a life-changing moment. But in knowing him, and Paul said, I, I don't want just that Damascus Road experience. I want to know him each and every day of my life. To grow to know him. The way, this passage of scripture reminds us of the way to know him. Look at verse 9. He says here in Philippians 3 and verse 9, And being found in him, not having my own what? Righteousness, which is of the law. But that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Boy, the way to know him is a way of grace, isn't it? He says in that verse again, and, and being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. He said, there is no righteousness that I could come by way of the law by trying to live out the law of God. Paul tried that. He tried that to the point that he was zealous of the Lord, not realizing that the full time he was doing everything he could to keep the law. He was working against his God until God confronted him on the Damascus road and said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks, isn't it? It's a way of grace. No man comes to know the Lord of their, own, of their own account, of their own ability, of their own work, of their own goodness. Matter of fact, if you try that, and some have tried, and some are still trying, it brings us to the place of hearing the words, depart from me, for I never knew thee. Paul said, I didn't get it by works of righteousness. I'm thankful for that. I don't care how hard you try to keep this book. Nobody can. Take a moment and stand a little bit longer in the mirror and review your last day, your conversations. Not only the things we did or said or thought that we shouldn't have done, said or thought, but maybe the things we should have said, should have done and should have thought, but did not. And we would look into that mirror and if we were honest, we would say, all have sinned, and I'm in the all. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you're not worthy. I'm not worthy. No man has ever been worthy. And friend, don't ever lose sight of this fact. You weren't worthy enough to get it, and you're not worthy enough to keep it. Sometimes, somewhere along the line, we get saved realizing we're not worthy of it. And then we later on come to this place that somehow we're worthy of everything we've got. And I'll tell you something, friend, you're not. It's a way of grace. And he would highlight here in this passage of Scripture. It's a way of grace. Look at the grace of God in my life. 
And he would say this, but that which is, not only did he say, he said, not of, and, and being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the what? Faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Looks as if he's referencing what he had told the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. He'd say, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, we don't stand here of our own works of righteousness, but by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is a means of grace by faith. I'll tell you something, friend. If you will know him, it'll be by grace through faith. Period. Coming to know him. When we recognize for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As it is written, there is none righteousness, righteous, no, not one. Isaiah, he would say, but we are all as unclean thing and our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we do, when we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away for all have sinned. But... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. And you say, friend, what is everlasting life? And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. It's not just what you escaped. It is what you gain. And a matter of fact, you only escaped all of that because of the one you gained. Because you became a joint heir of the Lord Jesus Christ and his inheritance is glory. And it became mine. And he says, it's a way of grace. I, I would ask you this. When did the way of grace happen for you? When did you come to know Christ? If you don't know him, I tell you this, there's no other way. Yesterday, driving home, we had been out on visitation in the morning doing some soul winning, talking to people about the Lord. And I saw, we saw one of those bumper stickers that said, coexist. And it had all those little symbols of all these different cults and things around the world. Said, so we can all just get along. By the way, that day's coming. One day after the rapture, there's going to be a one world religion. You just remember that. That's just a sign of what God said when you see that. Friend, they don't all merge together. There's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is one way and one way only. If you're looking for him any other way, you will not find him. He is the way. A way of grace, and it's not a way of work, but a way of grace. I'll tell you something. What God did for us so that we could know him, and how, how often... Often, we take it for granted. How often? That road trip. Talk about, tell me three people you know you would like to sit down with in history. Generally speaking, it was American history. And one of the top ones, guess who it was? George Washington. Who would like to sit down and talk to George Washington? His founding, some of those battles he faced. I'd love to have that conversation. We would look forward to it. If we had the opportunity, we would speak to others about it. But if we're not careful, we have the greatest opportunity to know the greatest of all. And we could go through a day without even thinking of him. More about Jesus.
We could go through a day without meeting with him, without talking with him, without walking with him, without growing to know him better. More about Jesus. We notice not only the way to know him, but we see the power of knowing him. Look at verses 10 and 11. That I may know him and the power of his what? Resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Boy, there's an empty tomb, isn't there? Friend, I could tell you, you could study the religions around the world and you'll find their founders under the ground. But when it comes to this one called Christianity, you'll find an empty tomb, friend. Because he is risen. He is risen. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. He said, I just want to know him better. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? Newness of life, a changed life. We, it's, we, it's symbolized in baptism, one of the ordinances of the church. As someone stands in the water, they're making a testimony. He died for me. As you stand in that water, nothing lives under the water, does it? Not for any long, not for very long. It's a symbol of death. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ as you're on that cross. As you go under the water, it's a symbol of what? It's his burial, that we were buried with him. As you come out of the water, it's a symbol of his resurrection. And what is the last statement? To walk in newness of life. I, was, I died with him, I was crucified with him, I was buried with him, and I rose again. And I have the power to walk in newness of life. Sin has lost its hold on me. It's no wonder a lost man sins because a lost man has no hope but to sin. But a Christian has been set free, friend. Sin has lost its hold. It's lost its grip on me. It's no longer sin in my life is not about sin holding on to me. It's about me holding on to sin because it's lost its grip on me. And I tell you, the key to victory in the Christian life is to let go of the sin and grab hold of Jesus. It's about more of Jesus, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. And the better we know him, the closer we grow to him, the more victory we see in our life because it is an empty tomb. The victory of knowing him. Paul said, I just want to know him better and better. He said, and the fellowship of his sufferings. He suffered for me. I am willing to suffer with him. Whether he would take me into victories or in defeats, I want to go with him. I want to pursue him with my life. I want to know him better. Whether it was into a jail cell with Silas having been beaten. Whether it was in a night and a day in the deep. Whether it was being betrayed of his own or left for dead whether it's in seeing a soul saved, whether it's great victory or what we would see in this world as great loss. Paul, uh, Paul was saying, I just want to know him better and see the victory that only he can provide. The power of knowing him. I can tell you this, the way to get rid of the things that have a hold on you is to get a hold of Jesus. To get a hold of Jesus. Friends, the Lord broke sin's grip on you at a cross and an empty tomb. Victory. Victory. That I may know him. That I may walk with him and talk with him. That I may spend time with him. That I might know him better. I love how Peter would say, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to know him 
better. I may know him. Not only do we see here the, the way to know him and the promise of, or in the power of knowing him, but we see the hope in knowing him. Look at verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that if I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's gaze was constantly fixed ahead. And more than fixed ahead, it was fixed upward. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to see someone someday, and his name is Jesus. So I want to be apprehended of which I'm already apprehended of. In other words, friend, when you came to know Christ as your personal Savior, your future was already settled. That's right. The Bible says I'm going to conform you to the image of His dear Son. It's an unstoppable work of God. He's going to shape you and change you. He's going to bring you home to be with Him. You're going to see Him one day. It's, and He said, but I want that day that I see Him and that prize that is coming that lays ahead to be the thing that apprehends me and consumes me a lot in my life. I want to know Him. There is something laid before me. There is a hope ahead of me. So I am forgetting that which lies behind and I am pressing forward to the mark that lies ahead of me. He was forgetting the, the if you will, the failures of His past. You ever think of Paul's failures? They were many. Matter of fact, he would call himself the chiefest of sinners. Before he came to new Christ, no Christ, he was working against Christ. He was going into every place, unto strange cities, persecuting the church. Men and women, he would say, and he was injurious. In other words, he found pleasure in it. Delivering them unto death and even testifying against them. If, if Paul was alive today and doing his work today, his goal would be to come through these doors and grab men and women, separating from their children, imprisoning them for their faith, and watching them die and thinking that he was doing God a service as he did it. That's who Paul was. He held the coats of those that stoned Stephen, but that was merely the beginning that we see. He said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. The amazing transformation that happened in Paul's life when he was confronted by the Lord and came to know him is that he quit going to strange cities persecuting the church and he went to strange cities establishing the church telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Talk about a changed life. He was different. Walking in newness of life. So I'm going to forget that. He would glance a little bit in the rear view from time to time, but he didn't live in the past. Here he's riding this church at Philippi, and some would say at some point, Paul, why don't you step back and rest a little bit? You've been used to establish a lot of churches. Why don't you step back and rest for a little bit? And he said, no. As long as there's breath in my lungs, I'm going forward for my Jesus. As long as there's still life in this body and whatever means I have and whatever way I can, I'm going to serve my Jesus. I'm going to press towards the mark because I'm going to see him. And I'm going to step out of this life and into the next, and I'm going to see him. And my goal is to know him better each and every day. Boy, he would use to change many people's lives, but he still desired to see the Lord. I, 
he would say at one point, having a desire to part, to depart and be with the Lord, but he said it was needful that he stayed behind and ministered to those that were here. He said, he said, I know it's needful at times for me to be here with you, but if I had one desire, if you ask me where I want to be, I want to be with him. I want to be with him. I want to know him better. Lord, as long as you got me here, I'll serve you, and I know people need me, but I tell you where I want to be is I want to be with the Lord because I want to know him better. More of you. More of Jesus. More of him, more for him, more like him. More looking for that day that he comes through that clouds, looking into Jesus and looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, searching the scriptures to know him better. More of Jesus. One way you get it. T-I-M-E. There's no shortcut to knowing somebody, is there? There's no shortcuts. There's no cliff notes. It's time. It's time. Those sit-down conversations you have with somebody, pouring out your heart, the listening ear you give someone as they pour out their heart to you, going through the things of life, sitting down and going through the victories of life, the struggles of my life, our life. 15 years, my wife and I will celebrate 15 years, the 10th. I got it right, babe. All right, the 10th, January 10th, right? 15 years. I asked her to marry me, and she said yes for some incredible reason. I don't know. But 15 years, conversations, sitting down, talking, going through wonderful things, hard things. If you say, preacher, who do you know the best? Hmm, her. Okay, I think, right? I'm trying, all right? Sometimes I'm wondering, okay, but I do know her best. Why? Time. Sitting down, talking, conversations, going through life. Do you know him? Did you hear from him in his word? There's no replacement for that. You spend time in prayer? There's no replacement for that. The struggles of life? They're coming, friend. Yea, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They're coming. Tribulation, God said, is expected. It's coming. But the incredible blessing is that as I go through the tribulation and the trial, I'm going through it with someone. And he draws me closer and whispers me to you through his word and speaks to me through prayer. And through the tribulation, I come to know him better. The victory of life. Here it comes. Don't forget in the victory, there's someone who gave it to you. And you come to know the victor through victory. And you grow to know him better. The goal is an accomplishment. The goal is knowing him. Can I tell you, friend, you can accomplish much in life and still miss its point. It's Jesus. You can do many deeds and still miss him. There will be people that will accomplish much in this world and will never know him as their savior. And there will be saved folks who accomplish many things in life but don't know him much better than the day they were saved. There will be those who go through tribulation but they don't know him much better because they didn't walk with him. Tribulation doesn't guarantee knowledge of God. Some people grow bitter through tribulation. They lose their joy 
and their hope and their peace. Others grow nearer and closer and draw nigh to God. What is the difference? Who you know. Who you know. Jesus. And why do you come to church today? Who you can know better. Why do you sit in a Sunday school class? Who you can know better. Why do you come on a Wednesday night and a Sunday night? Who you can know better. Why do you walk with him in his word this week? Who you can know better. Why do you spend time in prayer? That you might know him better. And as you go through the struggles of life and you're in the word of God, you find that relationship growing stronger. As you go through the victories of life and you walk with him in his word and in prayer, you find yourself growing closer. That I may know him, Paul would say. Christian, that we may know him. That we would may know him. It's an amazing thing. That one who stopped, paused. Let there be light. And this world began to come into existence. One who hung the stars in the sky and created this world and breathed life into man. That one who sustains it all and upholds it all with the word of his power. That king of kings and lord of lords who rules this whole earth was mindful of you and I enough that he would send his son to die for us and rise again that we might be saved. That would give us the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit of God to live within us, to equip us and strengthen us through this life. Who would be our shepherd and our guide to guide us through life. And guide us to that day that even as we exit this temporary life, we enter into the presence of God for all of eternity. And he said, I'm doing it all that I might know you. Walk with you, talk with you, and commune with you. Friend, what are you living for today? There's only one good reason. That I may know him. More about Jesus. More about Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much that you would desire to know us, that you would send your son to die on the cross and to rise again three days later that we might be saved. Lord, if there's any determination that we would leave here with today, it would be the determination that I want to know the Lord better today. I want to be in his word. I want to be on knees in prayer. As I go through my day today, I want to go through it with Jesus and not without him. I want to walk beside him. I want him speaking into my heart and in my life as I go about the tasks of today that we would leave here determined as Paul was determined that I may know him. Or even when it meant the fellowship of his sufferings, he wanted to know the Lord better to serve him more. If there's someone here today who doesn't know the incredible privilege of knowing God has never come to a place of salvation. I pray today they'd put their trust in the Lord. For by grace are ye saved, or through faith, you would say. I pray that person would put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you, how many of you could say, Preacher, I, I do know him. I've been saved. That part of my life is settled. I have met the master. I've trusted in him. I've turned to him. I've rested in him. I know him as my savior. Heaven is my home because I know the Lord. That's a settled thing for me. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? Just between you and I, Lord, say, Preacher, I know him. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody that would say here this morning, you'll preach, I don't think I know him. Maybe you know about him. That's different than knowing him, friend. You can know about somebody but not know them. Do you know him today? Could you say, preacher, I know the Lord. I'm saved. I know heaven is my home. I've trusted in him as my savior. And 
Is there anybody here today that say, Preacher, I'm unsure about that, but I'd like to make it that settled this morning. I want to come to know him. Would you raise your hand? Anybody like that that I can pray for you? Anybody like that? Let me ask you this, Christian. How many say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? Maybe it's just that simple reminder of all that he did for you that you could come to him. Maybe it was a reminder to walk closer to him in his word. And maybe you still abide with him as you go through your day, not just simply to meet with him in the morning and leave him there as you go about your day, but to spend time focusing on him throughout the day. His love for you. But you would say, hey, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this morning. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play? As God has spoken to your heart this morning, the altar's open. Take a moment.